Welcome to the Triage Method podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Paddy, how are you this week? As per usual, I am positively fantastic, Gary. I've spent a, basically the guts of a week with you uh, to this week. Uh, sorry, three days would have felt like an eternity. What a, um, what a great week. It really wasn't. Um, however, we did get an absolutely astounding amount of content done for the Coach's Corner, which is obviously launching later this year as everyone is aware obviously if they're listening to this of course um if they're not they can read more about it in the link in the description below but uh yeah it was it was quite good like i was even learning stuff as we were we were going through some different like range of motion assessments some different machines and stuff the videos also turned out very very nice i have to say gary you did a fantastic job with all of that um but anyway that is somewhat tangential to the conversation we're going to have here which is how do i safely return to training now that the gyms are opening because in ireland at least like i know obviously there's global uh, people listening to this um, all over the world um, but in ireland we basically have a week until gyms open or so we're told our benevolent overlords have said yeah nine more days well eight more days, seven more days by the time people are listening to this on Monday. Um, they've said, yeah, you can actually return to uh, your businesses and you can actually return to you know, normal life. So that was quite nice of them um, to do that for us. Um, but it does raise obviously some, some issues for people that are kind of like, all right, well, I've been doing all this like at home stuff, this, this body weight stuff, and maybe I picked up a few weights and you know, people have been taken along with training, you know, but Maybe they haven't been loading heavily. Maybe they haven't been, you know, really progressively overloading. Maybe they've been doing exercises that maybe don't fit their body as well. Maybe, you know, they've been doing like a squat and they're like, oh, it doesn't really work that, that well for me. I usually do like a hack squat or a leg press or something. So how, how do we safely return to training and maximize the results we're able to get going forward? Gary, so where, where, where do we start with thinking about this? Yeah, so firstly, uh, just to get it out of the way, you know, if you want to uh, minimize any and all risk from a actual coronavirus perspective, you're, it might be wise to, you know, be on top of your hygiene, you know, so make sure that you have, have, have the ability to wash your hands. You might need to bring hand sanitizer to the gym with you or whatever. Um, I'm an absolute devil for touching my face and, and kind of pulling up my nose and that sort of stuff, Slavoj Zizek style. Um, but uh, in general, like what I would say to you is that uh, try not to do that. If you do that like me, if you're, if you're someone like me, then it would be advisable to uh, just bring some sort of hand sanitizer to the gym, uh, maybe some tissues. So you can wipe down the equipment before you use it. And maybe consider uh, wearing a mask. I think the guidelines are suggesting that we do wear some sort of face coverings and we do return to the gym. Obviously that depends on, the type of activity that you'll be returning to. We'll be returning to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I not, don't think people will be wearing masks. Doing have rash, but... rash guards that come up. To yeah. <laughs> Morph suits yeah. for those. Um, but yeah, basically like, you know, sort out your hygiene stuff, check out the public health advice. Like this isn't the place that we're going to be sharing that. We're trying and to- And also just, just on that, gyms are only allowed open in the context that they're already providing that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. so I know a good few gyms have put up like plexiglass typing or whatever it's called uh, in between machines and yeah. in, front, in front of stuff like 
you know, squat racks that perhaps face out. And um, because obviously we were like, duh, 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 spitting <laughs> everywhere. everywhere. Um, same as again in like front of uh, treadmills and stuff, you know, because we were obviously running, breath going forward and everything. And um, so some gyms have done that, but that, that's not necessarily a requirement, but they are required to have, you know, alcohol, hand sanitizer, yeah. well, maybe not alcohol, but they have to have hand sanitizer. Uh, and also they're generally going to have an increase in the amount of people that are going around cleaning, you know, they generally, I think, I think they're supposed to do some stuff in terms of, you know, you're only allowed to come in for X amount of time and you have to book in. I don't know if all gyms are doing that. And, um, but I know some gyms, like obviously I live in Dublin, I know some gyms have like quite a few thousand members. So obviously they have to be a little bit more, you know, coherent in terms of how, how how many people they're letting in at a certain time because again I could easily go over what's led like 250 or something uh, people in a place I think that's the current guideline yeah I think it's, uh, I think it's only 50 indoors so I don't know if that oh, still stands something like that you know what I mean like there's, there's, there's a certain amount of people you can let in so they have to be a bit more on the ball with that stuff and um, but yeah most gyms are you know being proactive like the, the gym doesn't want to be closed down you know so they're going to be as proactive as possible to keep the members safe and then also, you know, keep the gym open. So yeah, they, they should have all that sort of stuff provided. But as Gary said, that doesn't just exempt you from like good hygiene practices in terms of like, again, like not touching your nose if possible, not touching your eyeballs, not like licking your fingers and not touching, you know, then or not doing that and then touching machines and stuff. So yeah, just wipe down machines before and after use and wash your hands frequently and you know if you want you can wear a face mask and everyone's always back and forth whether that's uh, you know beneficial or not beneficial so you have to make up your own decision on that yeah it is the guidelines at the moment try to wear a mask so if you want to be uh precautious for yourself and others might be wise but anyway other than that guys you know i'll have a shower after the gym that's actually something that's useful like if you're having a shower in the gym rather than waiting until you go home you know that might be something i don't think the gyms um, are allowed to have their showers open just oh really i don't think so yeah i was gonna say that that would be a good step in terms of like if you're going home um to family or whatever or you're going straight to work or, but anyway look they're they're personal and gym related decisions for now, what we want to focus on is the actual training side of things. Um, and to some degree, potentially the nutrition side of things, but, but mainly the training side of things. Because hopefully you have all continued eating during this time and you're not just like, geez, I can't wait to finish my four-month fast or whatever. Um, but you haven't, you haven't been training proactively. Um, well, some of you may have, to be fair. Uh, but many people, from my experience, kind of coaching um, people online during this time, uh, people have struggled. People have struggled to... Uh, keep the head in the game, you know, especially if you have been very dependent all along on having gym equipment accessible um, training in a particular manner. When that gets stripped away from you, it can be very difficult to stay motivated. You know, if someone was uh, training a lot of jujitsu or you were training a lot of boxing or something like that, that you had to be with someone for, like, obviously it was very, it was difficult to keep training that throughout that period of time. And I know a lot of people who felt like they just went from doing six nights a week of training to zero because they just had no motivation to do it. So it all depends on what your initial drive for training was. Um, but for the, for the most part, I think a lot of people will definitely be operating below the level that they were at in March, let's say, um, especially when it comes to 
maximal fit, fitness characteristics, things like your maximal strength, for example, um, or maybe the maximum amount of muscle that you've had, there's potent, you're potentially not at that peak at the moment because you haven't had the chance to really nail down those characteristics. So in terms of maximal strength training, yeah, you may have been doing, you know, plenty of bodyweight squats or kettlebell squats for high reps, and that might have been going really well. Um, but you probably haven't been training your one rep max squat, for example. You know, a lot of people won't have been doing that. So ultimately, our goal now is to try and figure out how can we get back to that and do so in a way that is one safe so that we're not, you know, increasing risk of injury in any way, but also productive in that we're potentiating future gains, you know, cause that is, that is part of this, it, you know, what you do now does influence the gains that you get in the future. And the extreme example of that would be the case of someone who does get injured, because if you do go back to the gym in your first week and you're like new program, let's go, go on to i don't know t nation or whatever or you follow whoever you follow and you take their program and you take the hardest version of it and you take the most intense week and you get stuck right into it on week one that's probably not going to be a good time you know it's not going to be very productive and even if you just you know you, you just tweak your hamstring because you did 15 sets um then what happens to you is you can't train hamstrings now for three months or whatever or you can't train them at their maximum level three, for three months and now you've taken away from your gains in the future purely because of kind of not being able to tame that ego initially or that excitement more or less you know because it is justifiable i understand people have not been training and now it's it's summer as well that's another thing is that especially Especially if you're a student like me, you know, this is the time that you can actually really start to put time into training because you, you mightn't be able to go 100% the other times of the year. Um, so it is one of those times where you're like, I need to make the absolute most out of these next 10 weeks until I get back to college or whatever. Or maybe you're um, a parent or some. I was going to say you're a parent and you have more time not- more time that the kids are off school teacher teacher is a good example (laughs) i was going to say parent who has kids at home and i was like wait no that's actually the opposite way around sorry yeah they have less time (laughs) you probably have less time um but yeah basically uh we need to be smart about this so like when when we when we start to think about this as well what you have to ask yourself because i think it's more important to actually ask this question first what's the goal with getting back to training you know what's what's your actual goal as you return to the gym because you know for some people They might be like, look, I'm feeling skinny. It's time to go on uh, this big bulk. It's bulk time. And you double your calories as you head into June 29th and you're uh, training the highest volume training program that you can. Um, And for others, you know, it might be the case that, you know, you've gained a little bit of weight and now you're like, all right, now it's time to diet. I need to diet immediately. Time to get on that that program that burns as many calories as possible. So what if you're like me, Gary, and you've gained fat and lost your skinny fat? five kilos of muscle and less fit well that too and what probably worse than jiu-jitsu oh definitely <laughs> what do you do then honestly i might i'd probably just give, give up, up. I just, yeah. that's what i was planning on doing anyway i would just give up <laughs> just on this before we get into this because i, I it can seem a bit like an esoteric or you know kind of out there you know people people can understand that like oh you know injury happens and when you're like really pushing training really hard but I don't want you to, I want you to basically frame this entire conversation of, or this entire conversation with the fact that, right, lifting is a skill. So even if you've been training hard, you've been like, yeah, I've been, you know, pushing myself. I, you know, I picked up a bit of kit. I did whatever, got some dumbbells, whatever. You had some stuff in your head. So even if you've been training away the whole time, like that's what I was doing, right? But we went in um, to record videos in the gym this last week. And 
just even doing a few different machines, like all these little muscles that normally for me, they're like, they're just, it's the no factor. They were the things that I was feeling more so in, in terms of things didn't feel as stable. They didn't feel as steady. Like say, for example, I'm doing a bench press and my wrists, you know, normally it'd be, it'd be a no factor. I'd be like, the bar just sits nicely. My wrists feel nice and strong, but you know, there was a little bit of wobble here and like, it wasn't, I wasn't coordinating the movement as uh, effectively, you know, and even though my muscles, in terms of the, the major muscles, like my chest muscles, my, my triceps, and the shoulders, or whatever, like they felt like they had way more in the tank. It was all these little muscles that just weren't like, they just weren't coordinating like I wanted them to. And as a result, the movements felt unstable. Same again with something like a, a squat, you know? It's like, I'm, I'm not sitting into it, I'm doing a front squat, because that's the only way I squat. And um, I'm not sitting into it uh, as effectively. Like my knees kind of feel like, they're not, they're just not quite there. My ankles are just like, you know, there's a little bit of, bit of wobble here. My spine isn't, you know, the, all the little things there, they were just a little off, right? And obviously if you're feeling the same way that I was feeling, I was like, yeah, my muscles feel, they feel kind of good to go, like the, the major muscles. And you can be lulled into this false sense of actually, you know what? I can, I can push hard with, with training. You know, uh, I've been yeah. keeping some adaptations you know, alive and um, with the with the training I've been doing. So I should be able to get straight back into it. But that's one of the worst, I'd say, uh, ideas you could have uh, for, for this time period because it is going to be these smaller things that are the limiting factors in, in terms of your ability to progress uh, your training going forward. And as a result, you know, increase your likelihood of getting injured. Because again, the, the, these smaller little stabilizing things, again, like you're doing your bench press and your wrists are all over the place. And even if you're like, yeah, normally I do, I know, 100 kilos for sets of eight and you're, you're doing it and you're like, yeah, this feels grand. You're noticing every time you do it, your, your wrists are all over the place. That's how injury happens. You know, well, that's one way injury happens, you know, because you're, you're leaking all that energy all over the place, you know? And so I do want people to keep that in mind. Even if you are going into this, you go into the gym day one, you're like, you know what? I actually feel pretty good, you know? I thought I was going to have to, you know, ease into things, but nah, you know what? I'm just going to go balls to the wall. I feel good. You know, you're going to have to hold yourself back a little bit. 100%. And I mean, like, I've had multiple anecdotes of where this becomes relevant already um, as well. Like, we, as you said, we were doing those videos the other day and we did a workout or two between that. Um, and for the most part, you know, I was actually fine because I've been doing, I've been doing a, a bit, a bit of training and like I have the barbell and stuff. So I've been doing some basic stuff and, you know, I've been doing a lot of things like push-ups, and, you know, I've been doing, uh, some, sp some sprint training, some hill sprints, um, a little bit of kickboxing training. So different, different types of things that I have been training away at and doing bits here and there. Um, and do, doing a bit of running but what i hadn't done was a full kind of weight training session including machines taking muscles into different ranges of motion and whatnot and one of the things that actually hammered me was the leg curl you know we did some sets on the seated leg curl and um as i was saying in the videos we we're recording the seated leg curl is just the best hamstring exercise yeah. so I'm, I'm done i'm done with being diplomatic about exercises from now on i pick my favorite and that's it right so look, these, everyone else is doing it we might as well everyone else everyone else does it so from my sector now seated leg curl is the chad of uh, uh leg curl or hamstring exercise but anyway, lower leg development <laughs> lower leg development but yeah anyway seated leg curl right guys fantastic exercise but for that reason it absolutely 
rips your hamstrings apart, you know, trains them so effectively. Um, but one of the, the unique things about the seated leg curl is that, you know, it does take your hamstrings into uh, the lengthened range, uh, the stretched position um, under quite a bit of load and in a controlled manner. And you're ultimately the one that decides how much you go into that stretch position. But in general, if you're doing an exercise like that, the seated leg curl or something like an RDL, for example, those types of exercises are generally going to be the ones that catch you um, on the return to training because you will have lost those adaptations to being more resistant to that kind of lengthened range loading uh, under stretch. So when you do start to kind of think about the, the from a program design perspective, I may as well just talk about exercise selection as the first component to this and then we can move on. Um, when you're thinking about your program design, First, think about the types of exercises that you have been exposing yourself to over the lockdown period, and then start to think about, okay, I can obviously do higher volumes of those as I start off, but it's less likely that I'm going to be able to do the same level of volume on exercises uh, that train muscles and movements that I haven't been training at all. Okay, So an example of that would be if you're someone who's been doing let's say you've been doing lots of push-ups, you know, and push-ups are a very effective way to train upper body strength and things like pull-ups and inverted rows. So you've been making the most of a lot of your upper body training because, you know, you just had access to those tools. However, for your lower body training, you know, you ran a little a 5K here and there. You did lots of bodyweight squats. Maybe you got a few Nordic curls or something in. But overall, it was far from your standard, let's say, high volume, lower body training days. Uh, because generally, I would say there's, there's a far bigger difference between those types of kind of light lower body sessions that people do and the way that they train in the gym, um, at least in our audience, than in something like a, a calisthenics workout that you can do in the park for your upper body. You know, you can get a, a really good stimulus in the upper body that way. So then what you might say to yourself is, okay, so I have been challenging the upper body muscles um, far more than I've been challenging the lower body muscles. So what I'm going to do is uh, build a program that's based around distributing volume in favor of the upper body in phase one, uh, let's say the first four weeks of your training program with the intent of building up the amount of lower body volume that you're doing in a way that is, you know, productive so that you can actually go forward and then train those muscles again as normal from yeah, phase two just, onwards. Just on that, that can be really hard to do because, you know, you've probably been hammering away in the upper body for the last four months and you're like, oh, yeah, you can't wait to get into, you know, get stuck into some like proper lower body training. And now we're telling you to like, you know, maybe kind of continue that for a little bit as you get accustomed to, you know, loading a little bit heavier with the lower body. So I do understand that this can be quite hard in practice to do because you know i know a lot of people are like you know chomping at the bit to to get going with lower body training and um, but jumping you know into the deep end with it is probably not the best way to go 100 percent, and i mean like the that that is that just is a, a reality of returning to training is that you're going to have the most excitement about your goals um, and about returning to training, but you're going to have the least preparedness to do the training that's required for you to reach those goals. So it is, you know, a, a little bit of a, a difficult situation to navigate, but that's why we're recording this podcast. And hopefully you can, you can use your reason to be able to get over those initial couple of weeks, and then you will feel far better for it. Like, so, so from, from an exercise selection perspective, think about, right, what have I been training before? Like, I can't tell you exactly what that was. It might be the case that you were doing like, I don't know, you have a kettlebell at home and you've been doing 10 sets of 50 kettlebell squats every day and you might be, your lower body might be very resilient. Um, 
but ultimately it just, it just depends on what you've been doing. So think about what you have been doing, then build your program from the starting point uh, with a volume that's distributed. So the number of sets that you do distribute a little bit more towards the things that you know you have greater tolerance to at this point, a little bit less towards that which you have less tolerance to, and then think about the actual nature of the exercises themselves. So when we think, when I say the exercises themselves, I'm mainly talking about the range of motion that's being challenged. So as I said, an RDL and a seated leg curl, they're examples of exercises that challenge muscles in their length and range and are generally going to lead to more muscle soreness and more difficulty recovering from those challenges. So what you might say to yourself is if you're featuring exercises like that or something like, let's say, a, a deep uh, dumbbell chest fly, something like that, or a dumbbell pullover, any exercise essentially where you are challenging muscles in their length and range, you might say to yourself then that I'm going to be more... Um, aggressive or soft rather more soft with reintroducing that volume um, and the effort in the, on those exercises than I will on exercises where muscles are being challenged maybe in the shortened range or not as not not a, not as lengthened so it could just be the mid-range or any other exercise that you don't typically be see as being an extreme range of motion so that's that's what I would say there and an example of, of how you how you basically distribute that across the program like I've got one of my clients programs here and we're trying to like he's, he's basically at early access. He's living in Switzerland. So he's been getting back to the gym a little bit, er, bit, bit earlier. And on day one of his first session, basically what I've got built in here from is, you know, he's doing, he's doing his deadlifts. And because we haven't been doing any sort of heavy deadlifts before, um, obviously we want to build up the strength there again. We want to build back those adaptations. He's a rugby player. We want to get him back prepared for rugby, but we have to be conservative. So like on week one, what I've got programmed for him is three sets of five at three to four reps in reserve. Now that's pretty easy right so because like you can do three to four reps in reserve and take a minute's rest and just get them done you know so it's not going to be a big deal because you know a lot of people they probably train more so in the range especially on deadlifts where they're trying to you know satisfy the ego like a lot of people do go quite close to failure or maybe a rep or two shy so three to four reps in reserve is quite conservative but then what we do over the week just on that as well that's three to four reps in reserve currently that's not currently as well yeah three to four reps in reserve of what you were previously doing so just keep that in mind as well. Yeah, that is really, that's a really important point, actually, because when you, when you are returning to training, what you're initially going to want to do is you're still going to be attached to the numbers that you were lifting previously. And this is something that everyone develops when they start weight training. And, you know, even if you don't talk about it, it's definitely something that's in your head where once you get over 100 kilos on the bench press, let's say, doing any less than hundred kilos, it just doesn't feel good. You know, it's like two plates is just like your standard now, you know, or, or if it's over 60 on the bench press, you don't want to go back to using less than the twenties, you know, same on deadlifts. Um, it's, it's especially the case with deadlifts because if you're lifting less than less than 60 kilos on a deadlift, then you've got these smaller plates to use. However, for some people um, that might be appropriate and it might be necessary. So lose the attachment to the weights and try to use something like a reps and reserve guideline so that you can uh, make sure that your weight, your weights are actually appropriate. So if, if he's doing three sets of five at three to four reps and reserve, that means that we'll be working with a weight that's somewhere in and around his current eight to nine rep max, let's say. And that could be the equivalent of what might previously have been his 12 to 15 rep max, you know, so a weight that he wouldn't have even done deadlifts with because it would have just been too light. Whereas now 
he's going to be doing like, you know, sets of five with it. So it, it is one of those cases where you do just have to take the hit initially. But the good thing is that you're then building it up over the weeks, the weeks to follow. So what I've got over on that as well, like, go ahead. It, it's actually much more fun this way, right? Because you basically get to be a noob again, right? So yeah. remember all those newbie gains where you're literally coming into the gym, you're like, oh my God, I just, I added five kilos to, to my lift and you're feeling awesome about it. You basically, basically get to relive that all again. Yeah, and it is a good feeling if you can just <clears throat> take advantage of it and not get too excited about the the return to training in the first session. You know, I had a, I have a friend who Snapchatted me there yesterday, and he said uh, he's, he did his first session back um, and put 104 kilos on his squat and started to do AMRAP, so like as many reps as he possibly could. Like that was his training approach, and he wanted to call in sick to work because he was so sore and, and fucked. Like, and, like that's that's just what happens. Like, so yeah, I get it. Like people are excited, especially if you're returning to the gym with friends. You know, you're all gonna be like, "Yeah, we're back in the gym, bro!" And you're, you're all pumped. But uh, probably not the best approach. But anyway, you know, as I was saying, like with the, with that clients program, essentially what we do then over the course of the following weeks is build up on week two four sets of five at three reps in reserve so a little bit more intense and an extra and then weeks three and four i'm kind of confident that we're getting back to a closer um closer to what would have been his level of tolerance and then we're getting a five sets of five at two to three reps in reserve and then on week four two reps in reserve so essentially like you've got some sort of sequence of progression each week um which, you know, might not always be the case in a program, but in this case, we're clearly building up our tolerance again. And because I know that was his previous baseline and what he would be able to do, um, I'm not stressed that, that that week four is too much or anything. So that is an important consideration here is what were you previously used to? Because ultimately, you know that you know that you'll be able, able to get back to what you were previously able to do. So if I was you and I was looking at my program, what I would do is <clears throat> I'd look at my previous program, I'd see how many working sets um, I was doing per muscle group per week or per movement, or even just in total across the week, see what that looked like, see how many sessions it was spread across. And then what you can do is I would start with somewhere around, I think like 60 to 70% of the previous volume you were doing is a sound approach. So if you were doing, let's say five sets across the board on all your exercises to make it real simple, then I'd start at around three sets. You know, it's a simple way of looking at it. Obviously, that depends on how many sets you're doing for each muscle group. So let's say, let's say you were doing on a Monday, you normally did three exercises for chest. So you did uh, four sets of bench, you did three sets of chest press, and then you did three sets of cable flies. What I would start there is I'd start with six sets. So I might do something like... Uh, three sets of bench press and then two sets of chest press and then one additional set of cable chest flies. And then over the subsequent four weeks to follow, I'd add one set per week and you're gradually building back up <clears throat> to that level of volume that you were previously able to tolerate. So that's kind of the volume side of things. Like there's, this is not, well, yeah. if you aren't willing to do that, you're going to have to make a concession on the intensity side of things. So if you're just yeah. like, no, I'm, I'm just going to jump in. Oh, 100% I was doing 20 sets per chest per week, whatever. Like, I'm just going to go straight back into that. You're going to have to take them as lighter sets. So even if we're saying, you know, take three to four reps in reserve or whatever, if you're not willing to modulate the volume as well as that, then you're probably going to have to go, we'll say five, six, seven reps in reserve. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to go lighter. You're literally just going to, if you're not willing to make a concession on volume, you're just going to have to go lighter uh, with, with each of those exercises 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the, the key point there being that it, we're, we're kind of recommending that you take the concession in both volume and intensity um, initially. But if you don't take the concession in volume, you're just going to have to pull back the intensity uh, further again. So that's what I would do is I'd, I'd start with maybe 60 to 70%. Again, like that's not a that's not a, an evidence-based rule that's going to suit everyone, but it's a starting point. And ultimately, you have to be the adult in the room that is able to look after your own uh, training decisions in the moment too. Like, So if you're in the gym, this has happened to me before, where I've returned from bouts of training. And if I do, if I do let's say, loads of squats in that first workout, I know for sure that my adductors will cramp up and will strain if I push it too far. So if I'm, in, if I'm in the gym and I'm following a program from Paddy that says, all right, do four sets of eight at three reps in reserve, and I'm on the third set and my hamstring feels like it's going to tear, or my adductor feels like it's about to tear off the bone, and I'm like, uh, not too sure about this, then it would be advisable to you know, actually listen to your body in that context and maybe adjust the remainder of the workout. It is something you do have to be aware of because these things do happen. And I have had cases where clients have messaged me during workouts and they've said, hey, you know, this isn't feeling too good. And then they made the call to say, I actually didn't finish the rest of my workout. And I'm like, you know, good call. You know, that's, that is the right thing to do in that context. Because while we don't want people to be hyper vigilant of every little, you know, every little niggle that they get, if you're just back from a bout of no training and you feel like something's about to strain or tear or pull or whatever, that's what it feels like to you. And you have a good reason to believe that that could be the case, then, you know, it's better to be conservative and be precautionary rather than having to take uh, six to eight weeks out of training uh, because of that. So yeah, volume and intensity. That is what I would say there, guys. I would also um, consider how, how many days you're actually able to, to access the gym and build your program accordingly. Because if it is the case that you're only going to be allocating your volume on one single day per week per muscle group. So for example, if you're doing legs um and you used to do 20 sets for quads let's say and you're now going to return to the gym and you know you're going to cut down your volume a bit but you're still doing it all in one day i would generally advise in your initial phase at least try to spread the volume evenly across the week to some degree because it's just going to lead to a much smoother transition to a high level higher level of tolerance because if you can spread let's say 12 weekly sets per muscle group across two to three sessions that now means you're doing four to six sets per session and you're far less likely to be very sore after those and hence you don't have to deal with that initial discomfort that's somewhat inevitable if you do a really high volume session um, because that can discourage you from getting back in the gym for example if you do if you really you know if you really hurt your hamstrings after your first workout and they're kind of killing you walking around even if you're going in on Wednesday, let's say after doing a workout on Monday, and you're only due to do mainly kind of quad focused work on that day, if your hamstrings are in bits, it's still really difficult to do something like a squat or a leg press, even if they're not, you know, primary hamstring exercises in, in your program. So, so yeah, distributed across the week would also be wise. So they're kind of the main notes that I would have on one thing on uh, this as well, right? So I'm just thinking of a, a slightly different scenario, someone listening mm-hmm. to this and, you know, they've been before the lockdown they had been you know training training away in a low volume style right now we could argue about what is a low volume uh, style of training because most people say like oh i'm doing a low volume training approach and they're like i do two sets per exercise but they end up doing 10 exercises so it's, yeah. it's the exact same they just they just have more exercises but let's assume that's not the case let's assume they've been doing six sets let's say their leg workout is three sets of squats 
three sets of hack squats, three sets of RDLs, three sets of hamstring curls, right? So relatively low volume in terms of per muscle group. It's six working sets per muscle group, right? Now, again, we could even argue maybe they're just doing two sets on each of those. So it's four sets on each of those per workout, right? And maybe they're doing something similar twice per week. So ultimately, they're getting about 10 sets of stimulation per week. So they're on the very low low end of, you know, the, the 10 to 20 sets um, for, for hypertrophy, right? So those sets, they've generally been taken. Maybe they haven't been doing it, like I said, like the three sets of it. They've been doing two sets. One is a you know, a heavy loading set and one is a back off set. They've been doing that kind of approach. So higher intensity and lower volume overall. Would they be in a better position to actually kind of maybe start at a, a little bit higher volume and just kind of ease back into the intensity side of things? Like again, like they're like, yeah, I really like training with higher intensity. I like going heavier. I like really pushing it to, you know, RPE zero or sorry, RPE 10, reps and reserve zero um, or negative. Um, so for them, would they be better off starting at a higher volume position and then slowly working the intensity up as they drop the volume? Or what's your, your thoughts on that? You know, I think that's a good question because it gets to the fact that in order, like when we're building back up these particular components of programs, we have to think about what, what, um, component of the program the person is typically exploiting so if someone is typically exploiting volume and maybe intensity like they're not they're not going all the way to failure in all their exercises then volume might be the main thing that's going to push them to a poorer state of recovery um, or potentially increased risk of injury as they return to training whereas someone who maybe is not on as much of a high volume program but they take everything to absolute failure the intensity is likely to be um the thing that we need to address in that context. So what I would say there is like, you probably don't, if you're, if you're that type of individual and you've always been trying to get away with less sets, then I would be less likely to say, okay, you need to pull volume back to 60%. Um, because, you know, if you're doing, let's say eight sets per week per muscle group, like I don't think you need to pull it back to, you know, four or five sets. Um, but I think if you're doing eight sets per week and they're all to absolute failure and sometimes like like eccentric failure even where you have like a partner helping you or whatever um or maybe you do things like drop sets or whatever i would basically just cut out all those things on 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 phase one of your program um and basically try to start off maybe around the similar level of volume that you were previously at it depends but uh similar level maybe slightly less but the main thing i would be trying to address there is just staying further from failure because this is definitely something i, I see as a limiting factor for uh, a lot of people in terms of constantly nagging away at chronic injuries that they have um, is that inability to detach from the need to go to failure all the time. And that's something I, I like, I definitely had earlier on. And in, in when I was into, or when I was first getting into weight training and stuff, like for me, it was like, well, obviously you just go to failure. Like that's just what you do with weight training. That's what like, cause from watching YouTube videos, especially if you're into like bodybuilding culture and everything, it's like, the main thing that you kind of brag about or that you take pride in is your ability to train hard. And very often that's measured in how far you can take a set. So I understand that. I understand the desire, but I think if you're looking for a smooth return to training and you're looking to minimize risk of injury and increase the likelihood that you'll make gains for the rest of 2020, it would be very wise to pull back and be a bit further um, from failure. So it might be new to you, 
but keeping maybe three to four reps in reserve on week one might be sound practice. And then, you know, building that up to closer to what you normally do on week four might be wise, you know, um, it's definitely wise, you know? Um, so that's, that they're kind of the main considerations from a, a volume perspective and intensity perspective and a frequency perspective up until now, what we've been saying is, is intensity speaking generally with reference to how, how close you are to failure but there's also a question, obviously, that comes into things with strength trainees, um, if you're primarily focused on strength, and that's like absolute intensity. So, you know, what rep, rep ranges you're actually working in. And this is another case where you have to think about, you know, how this training phase potentiates future training phases. So in, in this, as you return to training, if you've been doing only very light work on the lower intensity end of the spectrum, such as kettlebell squats and kettlebell swings and things like that, then it's probably like, I probably wouldn't have you go into the gym on week one and work up to a single, you know, um, or work up to, you know, 90% of previous one or at max or anything like that. I would probably be more inclined to, if I was a, a strength focused trainee, I'd actually take this first phase to build up uh, work capacity. You could call it, um, rather than trying to get into maximal strength, because what you have to realize is that, you know, your previous uh, maximal strength was essentially layered on top to some degree of your general work capacity and fitness and the previous muscle mass that you had. So the hypertrophy. So it would make sense to structure your training in such a way that you actually try to build up those characteristics again, uh, before you start to really test that maximal strength, you know, and that doesn't mean you can't start to bring in some some singles for practice you know at slightly higher intensities as the weeks go on but i would generally be more concerned with trying to build up overall training tolerance again and maybe building back a little bit of muscle and using this as a time for for building up that muscle before you start to really focus on um, the maximal strength side of things i also think and you can even do that in the context of like re-establishing the skill of lifting like heavier weights like you can do like i know everyone always thinks like or build work capacity or build, you know, muscle, muscular adaptations or whatever. They're like, also oh, have to do like high reps. And I know someone's thinking here, they're like, oh, I'm into powerlifting. I don't want to have to do like, you know, set of eight or set of 12 yeah. for, my, <laughs> for my deadlift, you know? And they're like, oh, I'm not going to do that. But you can still build it up with like fives or something. Like again, like yeah. you take a program like five by five, you know, and you're just like, all right, I'm going to do something similar to that. And I'm just going to effectively go light on those five sets, but I'm just going to treat them as, you know, these are just building my capacity to lift heavier in the future. You know, like it's, it's pretty much how you should be doing training anyway. Um, but you just look at it like, okay, I'm just actually going to go light these first few sessions back. Even if you are using a, a lower rep range, you're like, I'm just going to do triples, but you're going to do those triples very light. And you're effectively treating them as skill work as well as, you know, adaptation work you're not trying to go maximal but you're trying to relearn the skill of you know what does it feel like to be under something that's relatively heavy for three isn't definitely not as heavy as you used to be able to do but yeah you're, you're starting to feel it and you definitely could have done a few more reps but you're just going to rack it you know and then you're going to do another set in whatever two minutes and again another set in two minutes you're just going to build a little bit of volume while also building the skill yeah no that is a good point like i don't I don't expect my powerlifting strength bros to start doing sets of 12 on squats and deadlifts or anything, but you can start to, you can still use lower rep work, even in the three to five rep range and start to just accumulate um, total volume in terms of the total amount of sets that you're doing. 
at a lower relative intensity, you know, so you can, you could be, you could literally be doing work that's five reps in reserve sets of three, like something like your eight rep max, and that can still be very productive training, you know, but, but try to make it purposeful. Um, I think sometimes when people have phases of training that are tangential to their, their primary goal, um, they tend to kind of, you know, they're like, ah, oh, I'm just kind of not arsed, you know, it's just, just a, go through the motions, like. yeah, it's just a necessary evil. Um, however, if you can kind of accept the novelty of it and be like, yeah, you know what, I'm actually really excited about this. It's something new. I'm going to put effort into it and treat every, like, let's say you're doing triples with your eight rep max. It's quite easy. What you could say to yourself is I'm going to treat every single one of these reps as if it's my one rep max, you know, because that's how you get the most out of this stuff is you, you set up exactly the same every time. And you're thinking, right, you know, this is only 120 kilos, but I'm going to pretend it's 180 kilos and I'm going to absolutely tear the arse out of it as I come out of the hole, you know, that that's your goal, that you're just going to absolutely explode out of the bottom. Um, that's going to be your intent. If you can have that sort of intent, uh, you'll generally get better training adaptations and you'll have a smoother return to future strength, more strength-oriented, maximal strength-oriented uh, programming that you that you partake in. I agree. I have nothing else to add really to that because I think that like that covers the majority of stuff that people need to be aware of when returning to training. Yeah, I think it is most things to be fair. Um, and one of the things that like I mentioned at the start guys was just really that concern about, you know, asking yourself what you want to get out of these, the, this training phase. And I would generally set it up in such a way that it's a four week block. I think a nice short phase of training to reintroduce is good because it's not so long that you're kind of prolonging the phase of returning to the gym. Um, and at which point you're just like, oh, come on, I just want to train properly. So I think four weeks is a nice time frame to just say, right, I'm just building back up to baseline. I'm, I'm kind of taking a step each week so that then on week five, you can start to transition into more productive training. So I would say that. I would also say that, you know, just ask yourself, as I said, the adaptations that you're looking for, like now is probably not the, the time that you need to be trying to build up your one rep max by week four rather you'd be better off to set the set the the ground for having a higher level of tolerance for actually doing weight training again and that's kind of what i mean by by work capacity um because work capacity like it's not a i, I like the term i do like the term but I, it's not a single fitness characteristic you know your ability to do work like when you're talking about it's weight general training, physical preparedness yeah it's general it's gpp like you have to first be able to do the training and recover from the training before you can get maximal adaptations to the training so that's especially the case if if you've been doing no weight training so you've lost all the skill components you've lost the specific muscular adaptations to let's say length and range loading and muscle coordination and stuff like that you've also lost the adaptations of your your aerobic fitness you might have lost a little bit of muscle mass you know you, your weight might have changed in such a way that the the um, the levers that you're working with are now a little bit different. So there's lots of different things that can affect your ability to do the actual work. So just by getting into the training process and building up your training volume, you start to uh, basically get all those uh, those adaptations realigned in such a way that now you're prepared as an athlete to do uh, better work and more productive work at higher levels of intensity. So just lay down the foundations for that stuff and you'll be in a better place. And as I said, from a volume perspective, 60 to 70%, I think is a sound heuristic to use. Um, you might need less of a drop if you were previously on a low volume program, as Patty alluded to. But in that case, you'd want to be more focused on pulling back the intensity. In both cases, regardless, I would try to pull back the intensity a little bit. So you are a little bit further from failure. 
And then from a frequency perspective, it would be wise to spread your volume across the week rather than simply trying to do all of it on one day. It will reduce the amount of soreness that you initially get. Um, and that's most of, of what I wanted to cover. The exercise selection thing, it's really dependent on what you do and what you have access to. But in general, if you were doing exercises that are loading that length and range and that are typically uh, leading to more muscle soreness, you might want to be a little bit more conservative with reintroducing those. And the only final thing would be to expect some degree of muscle soreness, you know, on week one, like that's normal. As you get back into the gym, it is normal to be sore. Um, but what I would say is that if you're in absolute agony after session one, I would maybe reconsider the rest of the sessions for the week just to say, you know, okay, maybe I was actually, I did push it a bit too far. Just pull it back a little bit. You know, there's, there's no, there's no prizes, you know, you're not getting a personal best on week one. You know, there's, there's nothing that's going to come of it other than the feeling within the session. So use your reason uh, over your, your emotion in this case, and you'll probably be in a better place in not just one month, but three months and six months down the line. 100%. And just to finally say, on the diet side of things, it should be aligned with your your overall goals, right? So this is a return to training phase. You know, I would probably be more inclined to have at least kind of maintenance calories. You know, I wouldn't be like, all right, you know, I'm going to return to training. I haven't trained properly effectively for the last six months, basically. <laughs> um, and, you know, you're not in the best position and maybe like, all right, look, yeah, I want to lose some fat. Like the first four weeks where you're basically just getting back into the rhythm of things, that's not the time to be really aggressive with, you know, lowering your calories. You know, we're trying to get the most out of this in terms of the adaptations, just so we can, you know, get back into some, some good quality training. So I would be inclined to, you know, generally have calories at, at around maintenance. I would say you can't just, you know, be a little bit below that or whatever but again we want to encourage recovery so you know calories facilitate that um, and obviously we want to facilitate adaptations and again calories and protein you know facilitate that so it makes sense to have that stuff dialed in and um, however that's not to say that you can't just do you know a little bit of a, a recomposition phase now and you know have your calories a little bit lower so you're like yeah i want to drop a little bit of body fat that's perfectly fine i have a few clients that we're still in fat loss phases and we intend to keep going with that up until you know again when the gym's open and stuff we're going to continue on those phases and um, but we do need to have an eye to overall recovery and if we do notice that you know re recovery is just not there and yeah okay we're losing some body fat but you know we're three weeks in and you're still extremely sore from the, the training, then, you know, maybe we would look to increase calories and at least hit maintenance. And um, so you just need to align your, your diet with your overall goals and with what you are actually trying to achieve in this kind of three to six week ramping on phase. Yeah, I agree. Like personally, I don't think, I don't think there's a right answer in, like in terms of nutrition because we've all we always go back and forth on this and we discuss it on a podcast where you could easily make the case that right let's get into a surplus because now is the best time for you to be sensitive to training you can also make the case that maybe just stay in maintenance because it's one of the only times you'll be susceptible to potentially losing some losing some fat and gaining muscle at the same time but then you can also make the case that you should go into a deficit because it's one of the only times where you're going to be able to probably make significant muscle gains while also getting leaner so look 
there isn't really a right answer, <laughs> but I, I, I agree with what you said. Um, and it obviously totally depends on where you're actually at. If you've gained body fat over the course of the lockdown, then it probably would be wise to get rid of that body fat. Because as we've discussed many a time, if you have excessive body fat, it's not great for your health long term. So we generally recommend not having uh, excess body fat. Um, and then if, you're, if it's the case that you've gotten absolutely shredded <laughs> over lockdown because you're one of those people who when you don't train, you just lose your appetite. And I know, actually know a lot of people like that. Uh, then it might be the case that, right, bro, you need to start, you need to start feeding up again. You need to, to get that, get those gains back, you know? And if you're someone who's like, I look more or less the same, just a, a little bit less softer uh, or a little bit softer, you know, your muscles aren't bulging as much. Maybe the maintenance approach is perfect for you. And if you're like me and you've lost muscle and gained fat, then again, just give up. <laughs> Literally just give up. Um, but yeah, I don't think I have anything else to add to that. Um, like obviously, they, you really do need an individualized approach, you know, and you can individualize it yourself. And obviously, you can come to us and we can individualize it. You know, we do have coaching available. But I hope this generalized episode does help a lot of people get back to training or at least think how they are going to get back into the swing of training. Because again, it's it's not like it doesn't need to be overly complicated. You basically just need to take a few weeks of taking it easy, you know, while still progressing. And that's 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 the crux of it. You know, it's literally just like, right, don't go in balls to the wall. Just take it a little bit handier. You know, don't do as much volume as you possibly can. Don't do as much intensity as you possibly can. You know, listen to your body a bit more and progress in a manner that allows you to see results but also not get injured or not be excessively sore or not be you know in in a bad position long term and again it's it's pretty straightforward in terms of the, the actual concept just ramp back on take it a little bit easier you're basically new to training again even if you've been training the whole time through you know these are new exercises you're doing yet most people haven't been doing machines in their in their house although again as I said at the start of this stuff, you actually just see how dissociated the fitness industry is from, you know, real life when people are like, yeah, man, uh, lockdown happened. So uh, I just bought 3000 euro worth of uh, gym equipment in, in my, uh, my shed. <laughs> you're just like, like, most people are literally going to the gym just to, you know, keep their health in check. You know, they're, they're not, they're not <laughs> like, this isn't their life. You know, this is just like, yeah, I, I want to stay fit and keep healthy. You know, they're not going to be like, yeah, man, actually, I just uh, kitted out my 10,000 euro uh, Shomra out the back. Like, <laughs> actually got that built as well because, you know, I wanted to, you know, have a have a, have a gym available to me at all times. And um, like most people just aren't doing that. They're like, oh, yeah, I just have a few weights, little weights that I got from Argos, you know, when I was... God, I thought that was the norm. Did you not buy the whole Cybex new range? Jesus. <laughs> Huge rack, everything. Like, But again, like, it just shows you that how dissociated from reality most people in the fitness industry actually are because i wouldn't mind if they were like look yeah i know you guys don't have access to this but uh this is what i'm going to do because you know fitness is, is my life and this is my business blah blah blah. i'm like yeah okay cool but no people are just like yeah just get on with it just get your get your kit just get you know all the machines that you need and you're like this is actually reckless <laughs> just just say look most of you spend like 20 euro on food every day anyway so take that 20 euro on food right Save it up for the whole year and then buy a gym. It's not that hard. Just don't eat food, man. Easy. Jesus. You can care all your gains. <laughs> right. 
Right. With that said, guys, as we mentioned at the start of this video or this podcast, whatever you happen to. Uh, it is both. So you're completely correct, Gary. <laughs> um, Coach's Corner uh, is going to be launching soon, potentially sooner. Now that the gyms have been um, opened up sooner, uh, we will potentially be launching sooner. We're not entirely sure yet, but basically, guys, it's going to be launching this summer. The Coach's Corner, that's a platform designed for personal trainers and interested trainees who want to further their education in a way that is that will allow them to make uh, the world a better place through personal training, you know, or yeah, through get, just get better guiding results, other people. Get better results with their clients and ideally yep. make more money while you're doing it. Make more money. You sign up for me, I make you more money, bro. Let's go. Yeah, that's basically what's going to happen. You're going to sign up with us and you're going to 10x your income. Now, in all seriousness, uh, basically that, that platform is going to be designed to educate you on all the the subject subject matters that we think are, I hate saying subjects because it makes it sound so boring and university-like, um, but basically the, the anatomy, the mechanics, the exercise analysis, the, the physiology, and the, the applied nutrition stuff, uh, some of the underlying biochemistry and stuff like that, the kind of sciencey side of things, you know, that might be, that might be of interest, but in a way that is actually applied, like, right, we've talked about anatomy. Now here's the leg press. Let's talk through the leg press in detail. What's actually going on here and why does that matter for your clients? And not only that, but how do you change that for 10 different clients? You know, so that's the type of stuff that we're trying to get across in the coach's corner is how to coach people and how to coach different people. Um, Because personal training is supposed to be personalized. And one of the uh, things that I kind of have a bit of a gripe with is the idea that we often conflate uh, findings from research with what we should do in the personal training world and unfortunately very often if we're if you're talking about let's say someone who's commenting commentating on let's say exercise science research or something like that on the internet then they might necessarily have the the requisite personal training experience to be able to understand all the different types of clients that actually that you actually see and all the different individuals that you see in a gym and what their needs might be versus the kind of outcome of this one study, which basically reports a, a mean outcome, you know? So that's, that's the kind of worldview that, that I think we're trying to, to bridge is um, taking right. We have these average insights from the research and stuff, but here's how that actually applies to individual clients. So yeah. that's the goal. I always think of like, you see, like in any of those like exercise or, you know, uh, sports science uh, studies where you're like, oh, you just get the average. But if you actually look at the individuals, you're like, these four people were just, they actually got negative results. The majority of people uh, were in and around, you know, they gained a kilo and you see like five or six people and they're like, yeah, these people gained like 10 kilos, you know? So we know from the research that, you know, some protocols work better for some individuals. Now, again, these individuals could just be hyper responders to training and anything works for them, you know, and that, that obviously is possibly the case, but there is better ways to go about things for different individuals. And that's what I want to show you in the coach's corner. You could be a non-responder to resistance training. I'm like actually a negative responder myself. <laughs> yeah, I don't train because I actually lose muscle if I train. Yeah, um, yeah but uh, there you go. But uh, but yeah, that's Coach's Corner, guys. So you can pre-register your interest below. You will get a discount. Um, and yeah, otherwise you can join the Triage Method newsletter. That's our weekly email newsletter that provides you with uh, recommended resources along with all the content that we've produced 
and importantly, excerpts from the Coach's Corner. So we'll be sharing slides and some video snippets and stuff like that in the email newsletter that will give you some insights into what's going to be in the Coach's Corner. And if you're not interested in that, then at least you get the free information. You know, why not? Um, and join the Triage Method community. That's our Facebook group. And again, we post some insights in there. We post some unique posts. We keep people up to date on what we have produced. And people also ask questions that we're able to get back to and discuss. Um, and then if you'd like to work with us, you can sign up for online coaching. Um, we have online coaching spaces available. And if you are thinking about making your return to the gym as productive as possible, then that might be something uh, that you might want to consider. Um, and other than that, subscribe to our YouTube channel would be advised. We are producing a lot of content on YouTube. Uh, would recommend getting involved with that. Um, and just follow the the social media as you know the the instagrams the facebook if you want we need to start saying it as well follow us on spotify because oh yeah do that i love spotify because you can listen to us in triple speed and also again we are getting quite a lot of followers there because again i think spotify is the the new place for for podcasts even though it's kind of scum because you pay for a spotify subscription but they don't pay us but you know they pay joe rogan so maybe one day maybe one day we'll get that hundred million dollar contract Gary what you reckon no I'm not actually a, a Roe Jogan fan I think he's a bigot sorry <laughs> what about Joe Rogan though I'm just joking big fan of Joe Rogan go on Joe yeah boy but yes uh, that will be us one day 100 million uh, just got a first host host fear factor then I've got to become a comedian uh, get a black belt in 10 planet jiu-jitsu um, maybe work for the UFC would be helpful you know, um, be a hunter, be friends with Jocko, and then I think I'll actually be on the path to the 100 mil Spotify subscription. It seems like stuff you could do in a weekend. I know, it's a bit weak, really. Anyway, I have nothing else to say. So, again, it is literally too easy. Too easy. <laughs>